If you've ever seen somebody swirl their glass of whiskey and stare at it, holding it up to the light, and you've wondered if they are just full of it or if there's actually something to that and a reason that they're doing that, then this episode is definitely for you. And you are exactly where I used to be before I got into the hobby. I feel like this is one of those things where you kind of see it with whiskey tastings and you also see it with wine tastings. And you wonder, like, is there actually something to that? What is the reason that people are doing that? Are they just doing it to make it look like maybe they know more about the hobby than they actually do or something like that? There is some logic behind it. I want to talk about that today. Um, So I want to talk about swirling your glass of whiskey, which is one of the reasons that a Glencairn is shaped the way that it is. Um, And what you kind of get from swirling your glass of whiskey, what knowledge you can get from it, and how it can affect your review of a whiskey. Before I get to that, this is an episode that has no review in it, so I am drinking a whiskey from the past two months' whiskey list, and I'm going to do a very quick review of it and see if you can guess what it is. One thing I should probably add to this, too, is one thing you can do if you're trying to guess what whiskey it is, I think this is a really good exercise to help you start to recognize patterns between different types of whiskey so that you can get an idea of what the different types taste like. I think that's a benefit of doing this. Uh, And one thing is, if you can't guess a specific whiskey, it might be helpful to listen to the things I'm saying and try to at least narrow it down to a category or a type of whiskey. Um, That'll definitely help you to start recognizing patterns between whiskeys, and then you'll get better at being able to go into like a blind taste test and at least recognize what type of whiskey it is that you're drinking. That's kind of the thought behind doing this. Uh, And once again, this was actually recommended by a listener, but I think it's excellent for that reason. Because one of the things that is the absolute hardest to get good at is blind tasting a whiskey and telling somebody what type it is or what whiskey specifically it is. Uh, I mentioned before I do this a lot with my wife or I'll have her pour me a glass of whiskey so I don't know what it is. And then I'll try to guess what it is. And it's very difficult. I'm still not very good at it. So I think this is a good uh, practice for that to get better at uh, doing that on on your own because it is one of the most fun things to do, in my opinion. It's like a little mystery, and I think it's a lot of fun to do a blind tasting. So this is kind of the same idea as a blind tasting, except I'm giving you the notes so it's my palate and not yours, which makes it a little bit more difficult, admittedly. But at least I'm narrowing it down a little bit. Um, so this whiskey, I'm going to take another taste of it real quick. Right off the bat, I got sweet flavors, um, which is characteristic of a lot of whiskey. So I know that that seems very vague when I say that. Um, but this is the kind of sweetness where there's not a lot of bitterness accompanied with it. It's definitely more sweet than it is bitter. It doesn't have really those, those bitter like clove notes. Uh, but it doesn't have an overwhelming amount of spiciness either. So this is more of like your vanilla and honey sweetness. So far, I'm going to take another sip though. Yeah, this is definitely sweet and has some woodiness to it. Um, I would say it's kind of right in between your new and your old wood. This isn't like super funky uh, wood, which I don't think we've really had any on the podcast that have a super funky old wood taste to them yet. Uh, we do have one coming up probably in the next couple of months that, that specifically does have that. But we we haven't had anything like that. But this also isn't like brand new wood. Um, like actually, I'm going to give away one of the, uh, I'm going to eliminate one of the options, like the Crown Royal where it was like brand new wood. This isn't that type of a flavor. Um, but it does have a woodiness to it and it, it's accompanied by, I would say, vanilla and maybe a touch of, well, let me, let me try one more time before I say something. I'm going to say vanilla, honey, and maybe just a small touch of caramel is what I'm getting from this right now. Also, maybe a little bit of fruitiness. 
I didn't think about that until just now. Maybe like, maybe like a pear or an apple, perhaps. Um, so that's that's the blind tasting for today, and I will uh, revisit it at the end of the episode with a few more notes before telling you what it is, which I think once again is great practice for learning how to blind taste whiskey. Now. What do I mean by swirling the whiskey glass? I'm talking about if you've ever seen when somebody just spins their whiskey glass, they hold it up to the light, and they stare at it. What are they doing? What, what's the point of that? Well, there's a few different things uh, that are the reason for that, and I'm going to go through each of them. And it can help to round out your review of the whiskey, so you're not basing it purely on the taste or the smell. Uh, you're also basing it on the looks of the whiskey. So the first reason, and the most basic, I would say, of the reasons, is admiring the color of the whiskey. You can get a lot from the color of a whiskey, specifically if it's a whiskey that doesn't have any artificial coloring added. And now, bourbons cannot have artificial coloring added. So from a bourbon, you can actually get a lot because you can see the age of it, or at least get an idea for the age of it. I mentioned this in the Four Roses versus Four Roses single barrel episode, um, where the Four Roses single barrel was aged longer and it was darker. And that's because it's spending more time in the barrel, which is what's giving it that color. Bourbons only get their colors from the aging process. You can't uh, color them at all. So if there's no artificial coloring added, then looking at your whiskey, you can get a good idea of the color of it. Now, other whiskeys, I believe Scotch and Irish and Canadian and I think Japanese as well can all have artificial coloring added to them. So you're going to want to figure out if your specific whiskey does have artificial coloring added to it, if you're even able to find that online. But admiring the color can definitely give you an idea of how old it is and perhaps um, what flavors it's going to have in it, but that's definitely not a science. <laughs> you can get a little bit of an idea of it, um, but you're not going to be like, I know what this whiskey's going to taste like. That's for certain. But it definitely can help you with the age, and I, especially with bourbons, this is very, this is a very good way to tell the age. Now, it's not going to be perfect. You can have younger whiskeys that are darker and older whiskeys that are lighter, but it's going to give you at least an idea. Maybe also an idea of how much water it's cut with, if it's cut with water. Now, if you age it for a really long time, but it comes out of the barrel at a really high proof and you cut it all the way down to 80, then it's going to be a lot lighter. So there's a lot of variation. It's not, like I said, going to tell you exactly how old it is or how much water it's cut with, but it'll at least give you an idea. It'll put you in the ballpark. Now, that's the first thing. Now, the second thing is when you're swirling your whiskey in your glass, you're agitating it. And I mentioned this in the episode where Zach and I were drinking the Crown Royal. I said I was having trouble getting flavors from the nose. So I said I'm going to spin it around a little bit and try to agitate it. You're mixing that whiskey with oxygen, and you're really getting the the vapors from it all agitated and that way you can get a little bit better of a nose from it now this is my personal favorite reason for swirling the glass we're going to get to a lot more technical reasons people swirl the glass um, but this is by far the most common reason that I swirl the glass. It's to get the flavors agitated so I can get a better nose of it. Now, it is also going to make the nose stronger, so you want to keep that in mind. If you were sniffing it and you had your nose, let's say, one inch away from your the rim of your glass, and you swirl it and you go one inch away from the rim again, it might be stronger. Uh, so you might want to back up a little bit or you might want to give it a second to settle a little bit and still hopefully have more of those vapors in your glass. 
This is another reason, once again, for the shape of the Glencairn glass, because it condenses all those vapors into a smaller area than they're in in the bottom of the glass. That way you can get all of those into a, into a little area and you can smell them, hopefully without burning your nose as bad. Um, but spinning the glass and agitating that definitely helps that. And like I said, I use this all the time um, because it definitely helps me to get a better nose, especially if your palate is already weighed down a little bit. Like in that last episode, I had, like I said, I had just eaten dinner. And so it was a little bit harder for me to get a nose from it. So that's one thing that really helps is to agitate it and then you get stronger flavors from it. Now, the remainder of the reason people swirl the glass is it has to do with what's called the legs or the tiers of the whiskey. Now, when you swirl your glass, you're going to notice that some of it sticks to the wall of the glass, and it beads up into tiers, essentially, teardrops, and it streams down the side of the glass in streaks that are called legs. And people will use legs and tiers interchangeably. Now, you can actually learn some things from the legs of the whiskey. The reason, the thing that's happening is the alcohol is evaporating and it's creating a difference in the surface tension between the water and the alcohol of the whiskey. You don't really need to know this, but it's important for why the legs are important. And that difference in surface tension is part of the reason why it clings to the wall and that determines how long it clings to the wall uh, and how long it takes for it to fall down and also what the legs look like. So I guess you don't really need to know that science behind it, but you need to know that the science is what's causing the art behind looking at the legs. And so there is a connection between your alcohol and your chemical makeup of your whiskey and what your legs and tears are going to look like. Uh, now the first trick for uh, looking at the legs, the first thing you can determine from it is the proof of the alcohol. This is definitely, definitely not a science, but you can get an idea from it. And for the remainder of this episode, I just want to disclose, this is not a science. This is an art. This is something you can get an idea. You're not going to be able to look at a leg, look at the legs of a whiskey and be like, oh yeah, that's 80 proof. You're not going to be able to do that, typically. Now with telling the proof, the more alcohol content there is in the whiskey, the more legs that it's going to have and the longer it's going to take them to form and to fall down the side of your glass, typically. The idea is that the the alcohol is the reason that legs are a thing. So the more alcohol you have in it, the more extreme version of that you're going to have, the longer they're going to cling to the wall and the longer they're going to take to form. Um, so that'll give you a little bit of an idea of the proof of the whiskey. That does bring me to one quick little side note I wanted to talk about because I had somebody ask, why do we measure alcohol in proof and not in ABV? If proof is just double the alcohol by volume, then why don't we just do alcohol by volume? Where did proof come from? So this is a kind of a fun story. Proof came from England in the 1500s because the government taxed spirits they called proof spirits. Now, these were any kind of a liquor that was over a certain amount of alcohol by volume. And they taxed these spirits at a higher rate. But they had to have a way to prove that it was a higher alcohol by volume. This is the 1500s, so we don't exactly have science to figure out what specifically the proof of a whiskey is or the proof of any spirit is. So what they would do is they would actually soak a gun pellet in the alcohol and they would try to light it. And if you could still light the black powder or the gunpowder, then it was proof that the alcohol should be high enough content to be taxed. Now, this wasn't a perfect test because uh, the the temperature of the alcohol and how long you let it set out in the ambient air definitely has an impact on whether or not that's going to light. Um, so it wasn't exactly perfect, but it was considered the proof of it being a high-proof spirit, essentially. So we just started using that as the term. It was the proof of the spirit. 
Eventually, they came up with a more accurate test that used density and compared the density to the distilled water or to the density of distilled water, which is roughly how we determine our percent alcohol by volume is using specific gravity of any alcohol. Uh, and it was a more accurate test, and it came up with this weird scale that even I don't know. I, I saw it, and I was like, I'm not even going to bother talking about this scale. Um, but it still wasn't double the alcohol by volume like it is today in America. What happened was in the 1800s, we still called it the proof of the whiskey with that test in England. Um, but America decided to take that word proof and just say the proof is exactly double the alcohol by volume. We now know how to figure out what the alcohol by volume is, and we're just going to call the proof double the alcohol by volume. My guess would be just because it's a little bit more precise, right? Instead of having, you know, blank, blank, and a half percent, if you double that, then you don't have the half anymore. So it's a little bit more fine-tuned of a scale. So eventually, to make another wrench in this plan, a different scale was developed in France in which the proof is exactly equal to the alcohol by volume. So your safest bet is definitely to go with alcohol by volume. It means the same thing everywhere. Um, But that is where the term proof came from. And once again, you can tell that a little bit by how long it takes the legs to form on the side of your glass and how long it takes them to drip back down into the glass. The longer it takes, the higher proof it is typically. Now, you can get other information from it as well, and that is the body of the whiskey. And this is this is roughly tied to the alcohol content as well, but it's not just the alcohol content. It also has to do with how much the whiskey interacted with the barrels it was in, how much it extracted different flavors, different chemicals from, I don't want to say chemicals, but different uh, substances, I should say, from the barrel, how much of a reaction there was there. Uh, and it can tell you different things about it, but it basically sums up to the body of the whiskey or what amount of boldness and flavor it's going to have versus being lighter on your tongue. Now, this is you can kind of tell that I'm being very vague, right? Like I'm saying the body and the boldness because it's not going to tell you the flavors that a whiskey is going to have. Uh, but it is a rough estimate of what what you can expect from from the whiskey. So similar to your alcohol, if the legs tend to cling more to the wall, then it's going to have more body. It's going to be a little bit more bold. And this is also, like I said, tied to your alcohol by volume because typically higher alcohol by volume has a lot more complexities in the flavor, has a little bit more boldness because it's got higher alcohol content. Um, But you can kind of get an idea from that. And then also the width of the legs, like if the legs are wider or narrower, they can give you a little bit of an idea as well. Is it going to have, uh, I think it's more acids in it, I believe, uh, which is going to supply a little bit more of a different flavor to it as well if they're wider. So you can get a rough idea, once again, kind of more of an art form than a science, Um But you can see that your strength and your body are both tied to the longer the legs stick to the wall, the more strength and the more body that a whiskey is going to have. And that's basically what I want you to get from looking at the legs of a whiskey is you're going to get a rough estimate of what you can expect when you go to put the whiskey in your mouth. And it might not always be perfect. Here's what I will say, though. You can get a good idea of this, and you can get better at doing this by practicing it. This is not one of those things that you're going to read up on it, and then you're going to go to do it, and you're going to be like, oh, exactly, this is going to taste like this, and you're going to try it, and that's what it's going to be. But you can at least start to recognize patterns by implementing it. 
uh, and looking at your legs before you drink your whiskey and looking at your legs while you're drinking your whiskey and trying to get an idea of, oh, you know what? Last time a whiskey tasted kind of like this, its legs also looked kind of like this. I promise you at first they're all going to look exactly the same. For your first few glasses, you're going to be like, this This looks exactly like the last one did. I'm watching them fall down the side and they're pretty much identical to what they look like in the, the totally different glass of whiskey that I had. But over time, you can start to develop a little bit of patterns. And I don't want people to think like, I don't want you to think it's a science, but I also don't want you to think it's totally worthless and that people just do it to be pretentious. I don't think that's the case. I do think you can you can recognize patterns from it, uh, and it can definitely be just another tool. I say that's about a lot of different ways of drinking whiskey. You know, does putting a droplet of water in your whiskey truly open up the whiskey and reveal its true nature to you that the distiller wanted you to have? I don't know, but it is a tool. It is a tool to taste the whiskey in a different way. Just like adding ice, just like making a cocktail, just like having it at different temperatures, it's just another tool to get more of an idea of what the whiskey is. You know, when you're drinking a whiskey, you're essentially, if I'm drinking a whiskey in a specific form, like let's say neat in a Glencairn, I'm getting one piece of the puzzle. I am seeing what the whiskey looks like when it is neat in a Glencairn at room temperature and I've eaten whatever I've eaten that day. You're seeing one piece of the puzzle. In order to get the full puzzle, you really do need to try a bunch of different tools in order to put all those pieces together. So you need to swirl your glass and see what the legs look like. You need to agitate it and then re-smell the nose. You need to add droplets of water to it and see how that changes it. If you if that's your goal is to put that whole puzzle together as to what, you know, Crown Royal tastes like, for example. It is it's something that adds a little bit of depth to the hobby and in my opinion makes it more fun. It's a little bit more advanced of a technique like with looking at the legs and all of this. It's not something you necessarily need to worry about if you're still trying to make whiskey taste good. If you're there, you don't need to worry about this. But once you start to get into it a little longer and you start to get a little bit, I don't want to say bored, but you're like, okay, just another tasting, just another day, still tasting the same things and doing it the same way. You can start to implement these tricks because that makes it a little bit more fun. It adds another layer to it where you're not just looking at the whiskey the way you always drink it. You're looking at it through a new lens. You're looking at it visually rather than the scent and the taste of it you're looking at it while it's cold while it's warm while it has water in it while it has ice in it all of those things are going to help you get a better idea of it and you're it's going to add layers to the hobby it's going to make it more fun for you just like trying a new whiskey or trying a new region adds a little bit of fun to it for you that's kind of my spiel about this it's it's not worthless is my point it's an art form and it's definitely it adds complexity to the hobby that makes it a little bit more fun. Personally, I have not used this trick with the legs. I've used it for agitating the whiskey, swirling the glass to agitate it, looking at the color to determine uh, a couple things about it, like the age. Um, but I haven't used the legs very often. I've looked at them. I've, I've thought about it. But I've never really gotten deep into trying to get good at using them as a predictor for what the whiskey is going to be like. And that's something that I'm hoping, you know, in the next year or so to implement as I travel through this hobby with you guys. I want to get better at that. And that's going to make it more fun for me because I have been drinking neat whiskey for a very long time and I want to add another layer to it. Uh, and if you think you've been following along with the show and you want to try it as well, then definitely do it. 
but I think it makes it a little bit more fun and it, it keeps, you know, something new for you in the hobby. When you've been doing the hobby for a while, it's something new that you can try. And that's why I'm going to continue to, to work on it and to try to use it uh, over, you know, the course of the next, well, forever, as long as I'm in this hobby. <laughs> so you might hear me talk about that more in coming episodes. It's kind of my point. Uh, and it's also my, my point behind why is this important? Why should we talk about it, especially if it's not accurate, if it's not like you can look at it and you can know specific things about it for sure, then why do it? And that's why. Um, so I will say this whiskey that I'm drinking right now, um, I'm not going to go into the depth about the legs of it because the legs are kind of a relative thing. It's kind of compared to other whiskeys that you've drank, but I will say it's a little bit lighter when I look at it visually. Uh, it's got like a, like a gold color, less than a brown or more gold color than a brown color. So it's less brown. It's a little bit more gold, a little bit more yellow uh, than other whiskeys. And uh, I'm going to take another taste of it and give you a few more flavor notes before I reveal what it is. Okay, it was definitely much sweeter this time, actually, than it was the first time. And I know I said that it was sweet, but I got a stronger vanilla honey this time, for sure. A vanilla is actually very pronounced in it, more so than I think it was in the episode that I drank this. So that might throw you off a little bit, uh, but definitely a little bit of vanilla. Let's go again. Definitely vanilla, definitely honey, maybe a touch of caramel, and then definitely a little bit of woodiness and a little bit of light fruit. Those are all things that I am without a doubt getting from this whiskey. Um, very pleasant, maybe a little bit harsh. I'll, I'll talk about the finish a little bit. You know, maybe it does dry out your tongue a little bit. Um, it's, it's certainly not going to be a, a oily finish might dry out your tongue a little bit and the flavors are definitely accompanied by a little bit of the alcohol burn uh, a little bit more so than i guess relative to other whiskeys um you're getting a little bit more of the alcohol burn and and a little bit more of the dryness on your tongue probably as a result of that you know um but that that's the general character that i'm getting from this whiskey right now i'm drinking it neat at room temperature in a glencairn and that's the profile that I'm getting from it. And that's the same way that I drank it on an episode before. So you may have guessed by now, hopefully from the profile, that this is a bourbon. I'm going to start there. This is a bourbon. Um, and you might have guessed from my visual review of it that it's a young bourbon because it's a little bit lighter. It's either young or cut with water or both. It's a little bit lighter, it's more gold, and it's less brown. Um, and that also lightens up the body a little bit. So it wasn't very bold, not a lot of dark fruit, not charred oak, not that type of a flavor. Uh, and the, the bourbon that I'm drinking specifically is Four Roses. It's just the normal, original Four Roses bourbon. This is not the single barrel. You'll recall the single barrel was darker and had more dark fruit notes to it, a little bit more boldness. So hopefully you narrowed it down a little bit. Um, you might notice when I say, at least for me, when I say your vanillas and honeys and caramels are like the, the leading actor in your drink, it's typically a bourbon. Now, the light fruit might have thrown you off because I get dark fruit from bourbon a lot, and I usually get more caramel than I do vanilla. Uh, but that was specifically this Four Roses. I got strong vanilla from it this time around. 
So hopefully that is helpful and that'll help you in your blind tastings. If you've been following the the email list and you have all of these whiskeys, I highly recommend you start trying to do some blind tastings. A trick you can do if you're alone is to uh, label the bottom with what you're going to put in it. And so rather than picking from any of your whiskeys, you can pick like two, label the bottoms with what whiskey you're going to taste, fill them up, and then spin them around a little bit, move them around, close your eyes so that you lose track of which is which, and then do a tasting to compare the two. It's a great practice. I've done it before. I actually have a TikTok where I do that with three different whiskeys. And it's a good practice to get you started on doing these blind tastings and getting an idea of what you're going to be tasting. Because uh, that is another thing that once you get into the hobby for a while, that is probably my favorite thing to do to spice things up a little bit is a blind tasting. But all in all, that pretty much sums up everything that I had for the episode today, guys. So moral of the story is, if you want to, try to start looking at the legs and the color of your whiskey, swirling it around the glass, and get an idea of what you can expect, and let me know if you think it works or not. Thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, make sure to help spread the word by introducing friends, coworkers, or anyone that you think would be interested. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite streaming platform, rate the show, review the show, and follow on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs to stay up to date. If you want, you can join the email list by sending an email to whiskeynoobspodcast at gmail.com. You'll then be updated every month on what whiskeys I'll be drinking on the show so you can drink right along with me and review it as we go. Thanks again for listening to the Whiskey Noobs Podcast. Learn to drink, drink to learn. The Whiskey Noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.